Welcome to Off the Cuff with SDJ, a podcast about everyday life from the spiritual, the physical, and the metaphysical perspective. Each week, I'll bring you episodes that have a casual, laid-back, informal, and spontaneous look at this thing we call life. I'm Sunny Don Johnston. Now let's get started. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome to Off the Cuff with SDJ. Happy to have you here today on this beautiful day. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest because I know this is a topic that you all need. I know it because there's not many of us that haven't had one or two or five or six or 10 toxic relationships, right? So we are um, going to be talking to Sherry in just a few minutes about toxic relationships and that that word that none of us really want to own, but a lot of us have it, codependency. You know what I mean, right? So come on in, friends. Say hello. Let me know you're with me. You can hear me. You can see me. We're in good shape. And we'll get started in just a couple minutes. And I'll bring Sherry on to uh, let you get to know her. And we're going to jump right in on really digging into toxic relationships and how we can, number one, really become aware that we're in that situation, what we can do to to move through it and get out of those toxic relationships, right? So come on in, friends. Let's say hello. Hi, Mike. Hello, Kathy. Hey, Thomas and Mindy and Zora and Kim and April, Michelle, uh, Jen, Teresa, Lisa. Good to see all you beautiful souls. So come on in. If you are um, in a place where you know somebody that might benefit from this conversation, you can tag them right in the comments, or you can go ahead and share this to your page and let your friends, your groups, your peeps know that they can come and join this conversation as well. All right. Good to see you, friends. Come on in. All right. We're going to, uh, I'm going to go and introduce you to this fabulous woman. Hello, Sherry. Oh, Sunny. So excited to be here. And just, I love your energy and I, I, I'm so honored. And I know we've known each other for a while and this kind of came up and I'm just really thrilled to be here. Oh, thank you, my friend. I'm excited to have you here. And this is such a topic that we need. So um, I'm going to introduce you first by just sharing your bio so people know a little bit about you and, and kind of what all the cool things that you've been doing, and then they'll find out more about what you're doing now, all right? Okay. All right, so Sherry Gabba is a licensed psychotherapist and life coach who helps people cope with codependency, love addiction, toxic, ooh, love addiction, mm-hmm. toxic relationships, and mental health issues. Sherry's a single mother, and once her daughter was old enough, she returned to school to receive her Master of Social Work from the University of Southern California. As a leading expert on addiction and recovery, Sherry's TV appearances include VH1 Celebrity Rehab, CNN, Inside Edition, and The Robert Irvine Show and Access Live, as well as E! News and a bunch of others. Sherry is the author of Love Smacked. I love that title. That's so great. Love Smacked in which Sherry addresses relationship addiction and codependency and is a contributing writer to the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Tough Times for Tough People. Sherry maintains a private practice and is the founder of Wake Up Recovery, an online group coaching program that applies the principles of positive psychology, law of attraction, and mindfulness for codependents, love addicts, 
and toxic relationships. So she gets us, guys. She can speak our language, all right? So welcome, Sherry. Thanks so much for being here, my friend. Uh, thrilled to be here. Can't wait to get into this juicy topic. Yes. So let's start with what stood out to me, uh, which I, I was this when I was, a, when I was a young mom. I was in a relationship. What is love addiction? What is love addiction? Well, it's really interesting. I started my career with working in addiction, substance abuse. You know, I was married to an alcoholic. And what I realized in this, you know, in this journey is that really I'm the love addict. I'm the codependent. I'm he's addicted to the drugs and the alcohol and I'm addicted to him. And we call it a process addiction or you could call it a lifestyle addiction. You can call it a soft addiction you know, drugs and alcohol are substance abuse, but process addictions are different. So you could be somebody that is a binge eater. You could be someone that has a food addiction, a sex addiction. You could be addicted to exercise or internet or gaming or shopping or spending. And these are all process addictions. However, it's the same mood altering activity and behavior. And it creates the same identical euphoric states that a mood altering substance would provide. So you're always looking for that first high. They always talk about drug addicts looking for that first high where love addicts are always looking for that first romance high. So the relationship, unfortunately, though, becomes their whole identity and they feel lost and empty when they're not in that relationship. Um, I am one in recovery. I, you know, this is why I wrote, it's part of why I wrote the book Love Smacked is I want to break the stigma because some of us just haven't done it quite right. We, our pickers have been off, but there's reasons for it. And I know we're going to get into it in this call, but um, you go from one relationship to the other. And then when a breakup occurs, you, you sort of long for that addictive feeling of that love and that romance, that att attachment. Um, you want those pleasurable feelings. You want them to come back just like a drug user wants those feelings in a fix. Sure. So um, if you talk about, you know, love addiction, codependency, there's a lot of overlap. So I'm not going to really break it down exactly, except that a codependent doesn't have to be a love addict. A codependent could be addicted to work or addicted to, um, you know, just always having to please people. Right. They need a lot of that. But we're kind of talking about interpersonal relationships here. So you're always over adapting to what other wa others want. You have no boundaries. You have this excruciating fear of being alone, of letting go. You have this fear of the unknown. You're always trying to change people to be what you want them to be. Because if you really accepted the truth of who they are, you'd have to give up your goodie, that person. And you don't want to give that goodie up for anything because you want to be attached to someone. So that person makes you feel whole, which, of course, we have to feel whole on our own. We have to feel whole way before we're in a relationship or we're going to keep attracting those bad boys. Right. Or for guys that are on the call, those bad girls. Um, you look for others for affirmation and worth. You fear abandonment. Um, you just give up who you are out of the fear that you're going to lose somebody. You're going to lose their approval. You're going to be alone. So that's that's what love addiction really is in a nutshell. Do you find, Sherry, that people that because I, I that's what I always said about myself was my I was my my son's birth father was an alcoholic and we were young. You know, I, I was 19 when when I had my son and, and I always said he's addicted to alcohol and I'm addicted to his behavior and and, and, and the need and the fixing it. I, I always wanted to fix. I could fix him. He's got lots of potential. I can just fix him. Do you find that is there a pattern? I'm curious where when you become, when you recognize that you're a love addict, is there a pattern where like, okay, I get into three relationships, eight, like how long does it take? I know people want to know this. How long does it take to heal that? Like to, to actually get over it? Because what I found for myself is it wasn't about an amount of time. It was about the amount of work 
that I that I did internally and on myself to find that love within instead of needing to get it outside of myself. Well, I can't really give it a time limit. I will say this, though, there are many uh, processes to get through a love addiction. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't, you're going to keep repeating the patterns like I did. I've had, and that's another reason why I wrote the book Love Smack, because I've had multiple marriages, all for the wrong reasons. Generally, people that are love addicts have attachment disorders. They have um, an anxious attachment style, and they only feel okay when they're attached to someone. And it's because something happened to them early on where they, you know, they didn't get the proper connection. They might have been neglected or abused. So we can get into that now if you want. It's, it's really the trauma. And so what you have to really do is work with a therapist to release that old toxic trauma because trauma lives in our bodies. You know, animals can just shake off trauma. We can't. And so if you have that trauma, you're going to act out that trauma in all kinds of ways, whether it's love addiction, sex, food, drugs, you know, gaming, whatever. You've got to release that. And you only can do that with a professional that can help you release it. Right. And so that's one of some of the work I do, which is somatic work. Um, so the trauma, the trauma is causing us to pick the toxic relationships. Cause we want, we well, right. Exactly. We want connection. We're the opposite of addiction is connection. And somehow we didn't get what we needed. In my, in my case, I'll just mention it uh, briefly. People, usually get a lot out of it, but I was preemie. So I'm, I'm 62. And in those days they did not allow mothers to touch the baby. So I was in an incubator for two and a half months. I had no bonding. My mother didn't meet me for two and a half months. I had oxygen over my, uh, over my nose. So I, I developed an anxiety disorder. And from the, the get go, from the moment I left the, the, the incubator, I was looking for love and yeah. wherever I could find it, because I didn't get it from my mom. I didn't get that nurturing and, and all the things that I needed. And then she was sort of an unavailable parent. So that didn't help either. I had a wonderful dad, though, which really made up for some of it, but not all of it. Mm -hmm. So really, the person who's the anxious attached type is usually also it can also be called an insecure attachment or excuse me, insecure ambivalent type attachment style. And it's where parents are very consistent. So one minute, they really love you the one the next minute, they're ignoring you. And so think of the relationships you've been in where a guy's like, come here, go there, come here. Yeah. And it's because you were used to this inconsistency. Um, at times, these parents exhibit nurturing and caring and attentive behaviors, but other times they can be really cold and rejecting or emotionally detached. And those are those toxic people that we end up repeating relationships, just like we had when we were growing up. So as a result, the children don't know what to expect. They become adults who desire a lot of connection with their relationships, and then they become really clingy and needy. But it's not their fault. There are reasons for this. And that's so important that I want people not to feel shameful if they have issues around neediness and clinginess and insecurities. There's reasons for it, and you can be healed from it. Um, they are highly aware of any slight change in a relationship, love addicts, or anxious attachment types. And these changes, however, minute can significantly increase their anxiety. So let's say your your boyfriend doesn't call you, doesn't text you when they say they're going to. It's like, ah! Yeah. Um, and as a result, so you focus a lot of your energy for that connection with that partner. Um, individuals who have this attachment style need a lot more validation and approval than other attachment styles. You know, and really at the end of the day, Sunny, it's an attempt to recover the losses of early childhood. So when a child 
you know, receives plenty of love and nurturing, they feel secure. Um, that person's going to grow up with a good sense of self. Now, most people don't get this. I mean, some of you might have it, but most of us don't get this. Most people don't, right? We have to work through it, right? Yeah, right. But I want to say this too, and is that even if you had a really healthy childhood, but you still find that you're in toxic relationships, I don't want people to think you had to have a bad childhood. It may be that you're just a really compassionate, loving, loyal, kind person. And then before you know it, you're taken advantage of. So you don't have to be a codependent or love addict to pick toxic people. I just want to make that clear because some people will say, well, I had a great childhood. And I'm like, okay, good, good. You know, that's not your story. I mean, your story isn't that you were that. Um, so anyway, you're, you grow up and you don't feel complete. Um, you don't have, you don't know how to set boundaries. You don't know how to say no without the nurturing. you know, you develop really poor self-esteem and insecurity and some relationship addicts may have had caregivers who were unavailable physically or emotionally. Some were neglected. Maybe your parents were addicts or alcoholics. They were emotionally not there, physically not there. Um, and then when you enter adolescence, the acceptance of our peers actually becomes more important, the acceptance of our parents. So now we're looking outside ourselves for all this validation that we're not getting at home. Um, and we know the greater the intensity of a person's unmet needs, the stronger the addiction is going to be in to relationships. They want to they want to relieve that pain of that childhood. And um, they want that nurturing they never got. And being in a relationship in their mind relieves those negative feelings uh, they had as children. So someone with a relationship addiction may use obsessive behavior to keep their negative feelings under control. It's really a way to get out of yourself. It's like, if I focus on you, 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 and I obsess over you, I don't have to think of me. So when you ask that question, well, how do you get out of it? You have to feel the pain. Yeah. I did not want to be alone. So I would go from one to the next. I would settle and I could not be alone. It was so painful, just like an addict can't be without their drugs. So the first step is, you got to be alone with yourself. Right. And then you will learn how to connect with yourself. And how do you do that? You work with a great trauma therapist, you get in a group. Um, I'll be talking about my program, Wake Up Recovery, where you're with other people like minded that are going through similar experiences. And for and you finally identify, oh, my God, I have this issue. What can I do about it? So I don't keep picking these kind of partners. I mean, just being here on this call with you, Sunny and my, myself, that's the first step. There's an awareness, right? Because awareness is always, I was just talking about that today in, in a class I'm teaching on fear. Awareness is always the first step because if you're not aware, you can't do anything about it. So, so clap your hands, everybody. Give, you know, yeah, give like, good job. good job. Like, I'm here. I showed up. I know there's something wrong. And yeah. I want people to really stop beating themselves up for this. You know, and there may be people here that have relationships that are, that are toxic. They may be in yeah. one, you know, right. um, Maybe people here on the call don't want to be in a relationship, don't even can't even relate to what I'm talking about. But no matter what where you are in your life, um, that's where you're supposed to be. And there are reasons why you are where you're at. Do you do you see it as because one of the things that I've always looked at, you know, being an intuitive and and I know you kind of understand this this language. Do you do you think that there's also an aspect of people like like you were saying, the ones that have good um they came from you know uh, uh good growing up they didn't have the trauma and things like that i i kind of find it that that a lot of times i find that there's an energetic um connection as well so some people that maybe they didn't have the trauma but they have a lot of lack of of esteem so they may they may vibrationally energetically be attracted to people who are needier or or that need so they can be needed and and so i wonder if 
if for those people that aren't necessarily um, didn't have the struggles and the traumas, if there's an energetic connection. And I wondered if you see that as well. I think that's a great question. So what I was what I was saying earlier is you could be just somebody that's very loyal, very loving, very compassionate, and you could be an empath. Right. And when you're an empath. That's that energetic vibration of just, you know, you, you, you're just you you're, you can, you're so sensitive. And so right. somebody comes around and like, oh, they had a poor childhood. Oh, what can I do to make it better for them? You know, you have to be really careful when you have, you know, when you're an empath because yeah. you're, you're very vulnerable um, yeah. to, to meeting people that will take advantage of you. So absolutely energetically. And of course, if you have low self-esteem, you know, you're going to attract someone with low self-esteem if, or you're going to attract someone who's unavailable. And then you're going to keep grasping for that love, you know, yeah. from that unavailable person. So all, we always want to be on a high vibration. We always want to be working on that. Um, but it isn't just that. It, you also have to start sure. all that toxic energy that that happened because of if you had that early trauma. Right. Letting go of that trauma so that you can create space for the goodness and the totally and positive. Work. So so how how do we or why do we? pick these um these toxic unhealthy relationships why do you why do we pick them so like i was saying earlier a history of toxic relationships with our parents leads us to attract men and women with whom we, we can recreate the familiar toxic cycle we're always repeating the same cycle because that's what's familiar like if somebody good came around you'd be like oh you'd be like repelled. Right. like oh that's yeah i did that I did that a couple of times. Like, oh, yeah. that's too nice. Can't stand him. He's way too nice. Yeah, I did that too. You know, and then you got to be careful there too, because someone can still come off like they're really nice, mm -hmm. really a narcissist. They're kind of yeah. love bombing you. So, you know, there's, yeah. there's different um, caveats. But, you know, our, di our destiny is really dictated by a subconscious desire to somehow resolve those um, issues that were never resolved. And so we continue to fall prey into these relationships that mirror those early experiences. So, so if a parent wasn't there for you, for example, the father who fails to protect their child from abuse from the mother or the mother that's emotionally distanced, the tendency is to attract men in our adult lives that offer a similar experience. And so the cycle then commences when we when we're, we are brought to feel those familiar, painful feelings, and then we try to alleviate them by entering another relationship or, right. fixing, or fixing this one, unaware that it's not too different from the last one. Yeah. Um, and then there we go. The toxic, toxic cycle repeats. Um, another scenario would be, let's say you're a son that had a very overbearing mother and who, that mother didn't give you a lot of space or independence. So he'll likely repeat the same cycle in his adult life by attracting really controlling and needing women, but then being repelled by it because it reminds him of yeah, his childhood. For sure. um, he might rebel in adult life and instead attract the opposite of what he'd experienced. Um, although he doesn't maybe recreate the family that he grew up with that was suffocating, maybe he swings to the opposite and then he, you know, finds somebody that's um, completely has all these problems, has unresolved issues, and then they think they're going to fix that person. Mm -hmm. um, so the truth is it all stems from how we were raised and that relational experience we had as children. And, and it begins if we weren't properly able to develop self-esteem or a positive self-image, and therefore we kind of lacked self-love. So you're right, Sonny, it always starts with self-love. So the point then is not our addiction to external toxic relations, but our addiction to something that runs much deeper and is far more dangerous and our addiction to a toxic relationship to ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's 
also where it starts. Yeah. We have, a, have to have a loving self nurturing, loving relationship with ourselves. Sure. Which I imagine is part of how we, we overcome these toxic relationships is to have that loving relationship with ourselves. I know that's what worked for me was to actually figure out who I was and get that love for myself. So is that how we overcome it or what, what do we do to get, to get to a place where we can attract healthy, loving relationships? We got to do the work, you know, whatever that work is, you've got to find the right coach, the right therapist. If it's real severe trauma, you really need a therapist, but there's nothing wrong with finding a coach as well that can help you. But I always think therapy's the, the best place to start if you've had trauma. Um, you know, it, it's not as simple as, oh, give me self-esteem. But when you learn to be connected to yourself and then you have an intimate relationship with yourself, and I mean an intimate, connected, like you don't need to have anybody else. You're connected to yourself. Then you can connect to someone in a really intimate way. For me, you know, I would pick all these unavailable guys, husbands, whatever, and I'd say, oh, they're all unavailable. They're all assholes, blah, blah, blah. Well, I picked them because I was unavailable to me. You know, if somebody was really available, I probably wouldn't have picked them. Right. So I, I would like point the finger at them, but it was really a mirror of who I was to myself. So um, it's a lifetime journey. You know, I just got back from um, a two week trip to Europe, went on a cruise. I went with a girlfriend whose husband didn't want to go. And, you know, I was amazed how I didn't get hijacked on, oh, I don't have someone. Oh, look at all these couples. Oh, I'm in Italy. It's the most romantic place. I had little moments of it. Sure. And I think that's the human condition. You know, it would be normal to be in a romantic place and want to have a partner. But I didn't let those feelings hijack me. I still was able to have a really good time, really enjoy my friend, really enjoy the country, the culture, the people, the food, the wine. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was I just don't want people to think, oh, I'll never care again. I'll just be so happy all the time. And I won't never think about wanting someone. No, we have those moments. Sure. But we don't let those moments hijack us into like a deep depression or, Oh God, I got to find somebody or a desperate search to settle for the next person that looks at you. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing actually when you get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot, I know for me, it was, it was absolutely that developing that, that self love relationship. And then what I had to do because I was so aware of the fact that I was going to go and get exactly what I always said, same person, different face. You know, same energy, same experience to show. They just look a little different. Different name, different name, different face. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, you know, just the awareness is where you start. Um, and and look at every opportunity as, as a way to grow. Every relationship is a growth experience. They all, you know, I had one relationship, very abusive. But if it wasn't for him, I probably would have never gone back to grad school. Mm -hmm. He he was in, uh, instrumental in that. Um, and then the focus has to just shift from the outside in rather, you know, starts here. Yeah. Um, every relationship is manifested into our lives to mirror the relationship we have with ourselves. And if we're attracting toxic relationships uh, or continue nurturing our addiction to them, it's because first and foremost, we have a toxic relationship with ourselves. So that's yeah. where it starts. You know, investigate the roots of this internal addiction to your toxic self. Look at the dark side, look at your shadow side, be aware that healing an addictive toxic relationship with ourselves doesn't happen overnight. Um, accept and welcome the process. It's a constant work in progress um, of uncovering and resolving these toxic childhood experiences and then start building healthy connections. I know that Sunny, you have a, um, 
a whole tribe of women or men and you go on retreats and you do things, you know, follow the light, follow the, follow the people that are, that are doing things in the world that remind you of you and what you want to be. Um, that, that's all that's, you know, follow the light. I mean, that's, that's another thing. Just find, find great connections. Um, I, you know, I don't want to just say think positive because it's just not that easy, but if you surround yourself with high vibrational people, of course, you're going to feel better and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to heal that way too. Um, we just need to recondition ourselves and become addicted to our healthy self, um, who is immensely valuable and colorful and resourceful and vibrant and strong. That is who we truly are. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think that it's, it's such an important piece to remember that it is a process and it does take time. And I know when I left my unhealthy relationship, my toxic relationship, and I had to take a year off, like not give one person my number, not share and not, not date, don't do anything because I knew I would just, whoever gave me the attention first, you know, whoever kind of, I would just jump right in. And so I gave me that space and that space allowed me to be in the exact what you said, Sherry, the discomfort of being by myself and, and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And you it allowed me and it allowed me to, to get to know myself so that when my husband showed up, you know, within 10 months of that year agreement that I could say, okay, I think, I, I think I'm ready. And, you know, I've been married for 28 years. So I think that when you, when you move through it and you really feel through it, then you can get to the other side. But as long as you kind of keep pushing it down and, and staying in it or keep just putting yourself out there over and over, we just repeat the same patterns. We do it in every area of our lives. But it's because you're, you're avoiding that pain of being exactly. alive. When I finally divorced the alcoholic ex, that, I, that was it. I was done. I had to, I knew I finally, I did not want to do that again. Yeah. So I took up outrigger canoeing. I made new friends. I joined a, a, um, a kind of a law of attraction group, um, kind of a similar thing that I do with my group. I kind of cre I created one out of that. All the greatest things happened to me when I finally like took a breath and just had a, started a relationship with myself. I mean, really, I, mean, I couldn't believe I was out there in the ocean, outrigger canoeing, like what? But none of that would have happened without these experiences. In fact, the woman that I went on to Europe with is, I met her in a group that had to do with people that had alcoholics in their lives. So sure. everything great has come from that time I took to yes. be alone with myself. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. That's awesome. So I know you have, um, so you've got your book. And love. you have um, and you have a quiz, too. So Love Smacked. I love the title. You guys go check it out on Amazon. I'm sure it's everywhere. Um, but then you have a quiz. And, and I think a lot of people don't really understand what narcissism is. So you've got a quiz. It's a narcissist and obsessive loves. Are you in a relationship with a narcissist? I'm going to put the link below and I'll put it also in the comments. But could you share a little bit about what is because I find that that word gets thrown around a lot. And a lot of people, they just don't like somebody. They're like, yeah, they're a narcissist because they're always talking about themselves. Could you give us what the real what really is? Yeah, a narcissist? True narcissist has no empathy. They cannot see another person's point of view. They always have to be right. Um, it, it, they gaslight you. They do a lot of crazy making stuff where they. Um, you know, they make you literally crazy. They do things like hoovering where you break up and then they come back, you know, they kind of sneak in there. They're very manipulative. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that have narcissistic traits. I, st I say, I say, stay away from anyone who's a full blown, of course. And then anyone that has those traits um, and you'll know um, the, 
so so what it is, it's an ebook. You get a free ebook. You know, the quiz is great. And then you'll know if you're kind of leaning towards picking those kind of guys. But either way, you're going to get the book, the free ebook, which is narcissism and obsessive love. And, you know, it'll really help kind of break down um, what is love addiction and am I picking these unhealthy relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can be really, really helpful because once you are aware of it, you can do something about it. Exactly. And and then, you know, I also have a program. I don't know if you have the link there called Wake Up Recovery. So it's um, and if you can put the link up, that'd be great. It's a tribe of wonderful people. We have about uh, gosh, we have over 300 members. Um, we I do a monthly group coaching program. I have um, what else is in there? Interviews. I've interviewed a lot of experts, people like you, Sunny, Russell, even re- people like Russell Brand, Melody Beatty. And I also have a 10 week course that people take. And then every month I put in a new masterclass. So it's a treasure trove of my life's work that I've been doing for about four years. And it's $27 a month so you, or 270 for the year. So you can't go wrong. And I think I might've offered the dollar special with, for you. I don't know. Does it- I, don't, I don't have that, but I do have the wake up recovery. Um, I put it in the, in the comments so everybody can go to it and check it out. Okay. Um, which is fantastic. And that's a great, because then you're in community with people that are in the same energy as you are wanting to heal and work through these kinds of things. Exactly. And it's, it's really my favorite thing is that membership, those people I call it, you know, it's just, I I call it a membership, but it's really just a a beautiful tribe. You know, it's, it's my peeps. Um, And then if they're looking for deeper trauma work, they can always contact me. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And they can contact you at your website, I'm assuming, which is um, sherrygaba.com G-A-B-A so just like your name well the name's gone because I put that comment up um, S-H-E-R-R-Y G-A-B-A dot com awesome. thank you honey thank you for giving me this platform to talk about what I love and I hope that I made a difference for one of your, your um, people out there for sure I am sure that you did girl alright now I gotta ask you some off the cuff questions because this is called Uh-oh. off the cuff okay oh, oh, so no. my first question for you is is there something that you have bought in the past year that is under a hundred dollars that is like your favorite thing you can't live without that you think everybody should have? Well, listen, I just got back from Italy. Um, so that's a funny, yeah, I bought this. I mean, I don't know if everybody has to have it, but I, I mean, I bought a leather purse for under a hundred dollars. I bought okay. these, I bought these earrings. These were under a hundred. Like. They're real silver, but they're dark. I love that dark silver. I, um, I, I don't know if they can live without it, but it's but love it. It's really fun. That's okay. right. <laughs> so it. that's awesome. This what comes to my my head right off. Well, and going on a trip to Europe on a cruise was probably really cool. And the and it was a land trip to Italy the next week. Yeah, it was it was oh, unbelievable. That's awesome. that's awesome. All right. Um, where is your favorite? I know you just went to Italy, but where's the favorite your favorite place in the world that you've ever been, and why? Hawaii. I just. Why Hawaii? I love the water. I love canoeing. I canoe in Ventura, which is out here in California. And Hawaii is really where outrigger canoeing began. And it's it's just a magical place. So I have to say Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. I love Hawaii. It's beautiful. I've been there for a long time, but I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was your first job? Oh, my God. You're going to laugh. Um, putting flowers together in a flower factory when I was 14. I've been working a long time. I guess I've been working like 50, 50 years. Wow. 45 years. I was 14 years old putting flowers together in a flower factory. Huh. All right. And then for like bouquets and things? Bouquets. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. It's just I found that job and I wanted extra money. So, yeah. Want to be able to get out there and start creating your, I started working when I was nine. So I know, I know what that's like. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what is your favorite type of movie? Like, do you like romance, comedies? Do you like? It's kind of going to sound really dark, but I don't know why. I love movies, probably because I'm Jewish. I love movies related to the Holocaust and Mm -hmm. the movies that talk about the the um, spies, the people that worked underground to try to save the Jews. I just mm-hmm. think those are, I, I don't know why. I mean, they're, they're off, they're often European movies and it probably mm-hmm. has something to do with my, my history. And it just, sure. it just gives me so much hope that there are such good people out there that, sure. you know, tried to do the right thing during one of the most horrible times in history. Yeah. Yeah. My son watched a movie. I think he was like, 10 maybe when we watched this, the boy, I think it was boy in the striped pajamas. Yes, 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 yes. That's exactly. He was that. obsessed yeah. with that movie. Obs- yeah. I mean, we watched it like 15 times. He was obsessed with it. It's a very good movie, but it was hard movie to watch, but it was very good. That's exactly the kind of movie. And it's not because I want to be depressed. It's no. just, I always remember, of course, but it gives me, it, it's the light, you know, people that do these courageous things, you know, that's where the light is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it's inspiring to see the beauty that comes from all of that also. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, last question. Um, if you could have a billboard and put it anywhere in the world, where would you put it and what would it say? God, Sunny, these are hard questions. <laughs> oh my god, if I had a billboard, um, I mean, I would want it to be in a place wherever a lot of people could see it. I don't know exactly where that would be, but it just has a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. And it would just be um, something really to the point of you can love yourself, connect with you, love yourself first. You, you know, you know, you've got your own back, you know, something to that effect, like it comes from you, like nowhere else but you. That's the most common, some kind of term like that is most common response when I ask that question. Oh, wow, you're kidding, really? It's oh something about either love yourself or you're good enough or- Oh my God, um, yeah. oh, that's funny. It's the most common response that I hear. So, you know, the words are a little different, but it's always the same message, which always just says to me, yeah, I got the right person on. <laughs> great, that's really great. I'm glad I'm normal. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. Whatever normal is. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be normal. <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Sure, you guys go check her out. You can go to wakeuprecovery.com to check that out. You can go to the relationship quizzes. The link is in the comments. Thank you so much, Sherry, for being with me. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. I'll see you tomorrow at 1.11 p.m. Pacific for another Off the Cuff. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Off the Cuff with SDJ. If you gained some knowledge, if you felt a connection, if you got some ahas or insight into this thing we call life, if you feel like you're a little more elevated than you were before you listened to this podcast, then please subscribe to this podcast. And if you're already signed up, please rate and review it. I'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to get more information about me and what I have to offer, go to my website, SunnyDonJohnston, that's with a T, dot com. Thanks so much, my friend, and I hope to see you next week.